Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Halloween edition of Bobcat Radio. Here on the 31st of October, this is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez, and we have a scary amount to cover this morning after a loaded weekend of sports action, but before we get started, let's throw it to Ryan for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is the sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Ryan. We're going to get started today with two teams that are wrapping up their seasons, and one of them even starting their conference tournament. That, of course, is the Texas State soccer team. They now hold a record of 12-4-2 overall, coming off of a 1-0 win versus App State Mountaineers this past Thursday. This was senior night. They celebrated five seniors on the Bobcats soccer team. And the game was won with a late goal, game-winning goal by Kira Gonzalez, who also earned herself the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week. So now the Bobcats head into the conference tournament. They clinched the fifth seed in the tournament with that win. So, you know, what do you think the Bobcats need to do to keep with their success and uh, make sure that they, you know, get their money's worth in the tournament? I think they just need to do what they did Thursday night. I was there at the game, and this was probably one of the most aggressive uh, games I've seen them they were pushing hard on App State's side of the field and you know they I mean like you know they knew what was going on you know they knew what was riding on the game you know it was senior night you know this game meant that they would get a bye for the for the Sunbelt playoffs and so you know they were going out and really competing out there and you know it was a tough game you know they were pushing you know App State's side of the field but their goalie was really holding on there was a lot of times you know the ball would hit the crossbar and you know they would huddle around you know the, the goal just trying to kick it in that goalie was just staying in there and, you know, there was, you know, there was a lot of energy, a lot of emotion from that team. Oh, there was a lot of chirping going on between both sides. It was really good to see. You know, they were really in for the game. But, you know, just do what they, you know, if they can just do what they did Thursday and keep it aggressive, keep pushing, then, you know, I think they'll be pretty set for this playoffs. I mean, this is what you want to see in a senior night performance. It's your last time playing, you know, on the field. And we see players like Kira Gonzalez in the 77th minute. You know, she she gets that goal for the Bobcats and, you know, propels them past this App State team. And when you're watching this game, Ryan, as you mentioned, it was a little chippy out there. If you look, the the, the aggression on both sides of the field was, was really apparent. You saw players falling on the ground. We've seen players like Matty Goss, Kira Gonzalez. They were getting hit by other players. And, the, you know, App State... They didn't want the Bobcats to get that win. And also, they were also kind of competing for that playoff seating um, because, you know, the Bobcats now, that was their final game. And now they're going to be going into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament that I believe starts today, October 31st. But yes, they'll be entering now as a fourth seed. Um, but yeah, just a, just a really good performance at home. And the fans did show up despite the chilly weather. I saw you there, Ryan. I saw plenty of other people there. And it was just a great game to have the you know final game of the season. And afterward, all the players got together and they actually read speeches to each other, to the girls that were graduating. So it was just a really good moment for the, t- the fans and the team. Yeah, it definitely came at the right moment. They, you know, have been struggling, lost a few games in a row, a couple by three, Three goals after, you know, the only team they did that to is TCU. But this season has definitely been an accomplishment for the Bobcats. Thanks to their five seniors that they honored 
on Thursday, which were Kamari Williams, Kira Gonzalez, Bailey Peschel, Avery Thais, and Lindsey Salisbury. So, uh, but as you mentioned, Justin, the tournament now starts, and the Bobcats' first game will be Wednesday, November 2nd at 6.30 p.m. when they take on the number four seed, JMU, James Madison University Dukes in Foley, Alabama, and that game will be on ESPN+. Plus. But now we will talk about some Texas State Volleyball who aren't quite to their tournament, but they are really finalizing their position at the top in that tournament after a weekend of wins, two wins, a 3-0 and 3-2 win over Arkansas State this past Friday and Saturday. It was just dominance again. Janelle Fitzgerald, Emily DeWalt, the same names you always say. They keep doing their thing. Yeah, talking about dominance with Emily DeWalt, I mean, 56, 50. That's again, 56 assists on Saturday night. That is just ridiculous. And, you know, Janelle Fitzgerald, you know, she did pretty well, you know, for on Friday and Saturday, but pretty quiet for her typical numbers that she's been having the past week or so. But, you know, they were still able to edge out both wins against um, Arkansas State. And, you know, Hewitt was talking about it, and he was like, yeah, you know, uh, Saturday was kind of a sluggish game, but, you know, it's better to take, you know, positives from a win than a loss. So, you know, they're, you know, they kind of were a little, a little sluggish on Saturday, but, you know, he knows that they can look at it, improve, and get ready for the next game. Almost oh, definitely. And, and, you know, a point to mention in this Friday game that they had, uh, you know, Janelle Fitzgerald in that third set, she ended up having now, she is the program leader in kills for Texas State. So, you know, that's the record that she's going to hold, and she might hold for a while. She's doing amazing things. We've seen game after game. Uh, there was a whole middle school there. This is something I want to mention. On this Friday game, after the game, there was a post-game interview on ESPN+, Plus, and there was a middle school that I don't know if it was a school that she went to growing up, but there was hundreds of kids swarmed around her at the table with their phones out. I don't know if Janelle Fitzgerald, if y'all know, she is famous on TikTok, does have a good following of there of over 200,000. So yeah, Janelle Fitzgerald, she's showing up and she's giving great kills. And also, as you mentioned, Emily DeWalt, you know, the assist leader in the Sunbelt Conference right now. I don't know how many, she's won what, six set of the, you know, week awards this year. Like 25 now. She's at 25, you know, so this, this, this volleyball team really has to prepare themselves for the Sunbelt tournament. You know, there's teams like JMU that they're going to see the team they did see and they gave them one of their first losses at home that they've received in years um and in and, and some you know long a long while but to mention about this Arkansas State team before they even got to Strahan Arena to play the Bobcats they lost 16 sets in a row so Arkansas State I you know I feel for them hopefully this program can bounce back from that I've seen them you know prevalent in recent you know past years but yeah the Bobcats take care of things at home yeah well we're on the subject of streaks their win on Saturday was their 10th conference win of the season, which marked the 10th consecutive season now that the Bobcats have won double-digit regular season Sunbelt matches. So, you know, Coach Sean Hewitt hasn't been here for all 10 of those seasons, but the greatness of Texas State Volleyball just keeps continuing. And obviously with the tournament coming up, they're going to want to keep that going and, you know, try to get another conference championship. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think they could do it. You know, Sean Hewitt, we've seen in recent years, uh, they went to the NCAA tournament for four years in a row, and last year was one of their first years they haven't. And they're taking that all the way to the Sunbelt tournament. They're using that as fuel for their flames. You know, we have Emily DeWalt, Janelle Fitzgerald, players that deserve to be recognized in NCAA tournament. And with these numbers that they're putting up, you know, you said 57 assists or 56? 56. Oh, my bad. I'm one (laughs) off the substantial number that is 56 assists. Um, Yeah, just Emily DeWalt doing amazing things with Janelle Fitzgerald these playoff teams have to be watching this and not to mention Lauren Teske you know uh, Maggie Walsh um, other players that are just doing amazing things on this team there's so much depth and that's what Sean Hewitt was saying at the beginning of the season and we see it on the court 
So the next set of home games, the last set of home games for the Bobcat volleyball team will be this Friday, November 4th at 6 p.m. and this Saturday, November 5th at 2 p.m. against the Troy Trojans. Both of these games will be at Strahan Arena, and I imagine they'll be doing some kind of ceremony for the players that will not be playing for the team next year uh, with graduating. Um, so try to go out and support these girls that have been killing it. Uh, otherwise, these games will be on ESPN Plus, so you can watch them there. But we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of it, we're talking football and World Series baseball, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Halloween edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, Ryan Liguez. This is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, we're going to get right into football. Of course, the Bobcat football team and the Rather football team will start with San Marcos High School who is now 3-6 following a 38-10 loss against the New Braunfels Unicorns this past Friday. This was the final home game for the Rattlers for this season, and obviously not the outcome you'd like. They fall to 3-6 and six now, but they can still get into playoffs with the win. So still a four seed. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they face some struggles this season. You know, you don't expect to start off with the, the drama that they had, the possible UIL ban, possible playoff ban, and that's something no player wants to start their season off, especially senior players, correct? But then you see what they've done. I mean, they've had some good wins, They've but, but also they've suffered some bad losses. 38-10 to 10 to the Unicorns, you're a rattler. <laughs> you know, uh, you're a snake, you should take down the Unicorns, but that's not what I'm talking about here. We, we need to see some better consistency, especially when it comes to penalties in the field and some some situations that we've seen in this game. I, there was some scandalous situation. It seemed like there was end of forward progression for the Rattlers, and we saw the Unicorns take the ball. Ryan, what happened in that situation, and what did you see about the situation? You know, it's just kind of like you said, you know, they were on the one yard, the Rattlers were on the one yard line around there, and they, and, you know, I think it was Isaiah DeLeon, or maybe it was, um, sorry, Jaden Brown, and he runs up the middle, and they're, you know, they're fighting lines, pushing, they're going and going. It seems for, like, ever that they were pushing, and then somehow, you know, of course, forward progression is stopped. I mean, you can only go so far in one yard, so they're staying in the same spot, you know, forward progression is halted, and I guess after some time, you know, he thought the play was over or something, he let up on the ball, his, his, his hold, and, you know, one of the unicorns were able to strip it out of his hand and run it back 99 yards, and, you know, that is something that usually, I mean, the ref probably should have called later. Maybe he was just trying to see if he can get into the end zone and maybe he just waited too long. But, you know, that was something that kind of really changed the momentum of the game because, I mean, in the first and second, like, up to, like, the half halftime, I think it was tied 10-10. And then, you know, when you're about to – you're on the verge of a touchdown, you know, trying to get some momentum going, and then for it to be literally stripped out of your hands and taken back for a touchdown, that really halts you. But, I mean – and, you know, the Rattlers having a first – you know, for the, in a while, they had trouble running the ball this game. Uh, you know, Jaden Brown did not produce 150 yards like he usually does. Usually the passing game kind of falters, you know, week by week sometimes, but the rushing game is always consistent. So that was, that's another aspect of this game that really held them back. They couldn't get the run game going. Yeah, it makes you think that, you know, this the Unicorns team, they, they did some research on this team uh, because obviously the running has always been consistent because no team has stopped it, and they did, and that's why they got the 38-10 win. You, you know, we talk about games they've had prior where they're, you know, they're losing 46 to 36 or, four, you know, th that shows that they have some offensive consistency, as you mentioned, but the Unicorns, they halted that. In my opinion on that situation, it was 
that was the end of forward progression. That play was going on for at least a good 40 seconds, and it was just a one-yard rush, meaning he just falls into a dog pile. Now, that's when a ref should blow his whistle, say, okay, you know, they either made it or they didn't make it, and we should just call the end of the play, right? But no, Rattler fans were very angered to say, uh, to, many fans were very angered to see that 99-yard return um, that I, I, me personally, uh, when I saw it on the video, I saw it on Twitter. There was a video from the sideline, and to me, I looked like that player just stripped the ball out of someone's hands that was obviously on the ground, and he runs it 99 yards. And apparently, there was, since the ref wasn't as quick on the whistle, you know, they get more points. So just that's something that you that's really something that's not normal, though. It's not something that happens often. It's something you can't blame your team for. That's just, you know, bad officiating right there. But yeah, no, the uh, the Rattlers just, you know, they need to clean up that consistency. Like, you know, we need to have better running offense next game. You've got to have that if you try and have a playoff appearance. When I look at this game, though, like the strip, the touchdown from that turnover was only one of five turnovers that the Rattlers had all night. And even if that one score doesn't happen, you know, if you're just looking based off the score, it's still 31 to 10. You still oh, have yeah. <laughs> three touchdowns lost in there somewhere. So I don't really know that this one turnover is, you know, decided the game in any way. This it, I think it's, it's one of those just like, oh, yeah, we lost this game because that happened. Yeah, no, that was just one touchdown out. Like, th even though if that wouldn't have happened, as you mentioned, they would have, you still need to get, you know, 36, 30, you know, 25 more points on the board, 26 more points on the board to even tie the game right there. So, yeah, I mean, just as you mentioned, Colton, you know, there's some things that happen like that, but it didn't really, didn't really impact that much because I know it was towards the end of the game, I presume. Um, but yeah, no, nah, just the Rattlers need to just clean up for the, if they want to go to the playoffs. Like I said, they are three and six now, which... Puts them into a strange situation. There is now a three-way tie for fourth place in the district. They take four to playoffs, and they're now in a three-way tie for the fourth spot with East Central and Shirts Clemens, which leads to the next game, which will be this Friday, November 4th, the final game of the Rattlers' regular season. They travel to San Antonio to take on the East Central Hornets. That will be at 7.30, and this game will be on KTSW. And the way this is going to work is if the Rattlers win, they get in. So it's win to get in. But if East Central wins and Shirts Clemens loses, then East Central will get in. So somebody's going to get that spot, and it's going to be decided this Friday. We will just have to see who it will be. And, you know, hopefully it's some Rattler playoff football. But they haven't really set themselves up for success, in my opinion. And another team that has kind of been shooting themselves in the foot a lot recently will be the also three win Texas State Bobcat football team they were on a bye week this past week so not much to talk about but they do have a game against a team that they should beat this Saturday uh, the ULM Warhawks I know Justin you have a stat about how many games they've lost in a row but you know hopefully they can find out how to get a win this week yeah, well, you know, many fans don't want to see them get a win at home, obviously, against the Bobcats. But, uh, you know, ULM, they haven't won a game since September 24th, you know, so they've been around four to five games where they haven't got a win. And, you know, going away to, you know, Bobcat football field, that, that's going to be tough for them. But, yeah, the Bobcats, though, you had a bye week. You had a bye week to reflect on these these this game. The, I just want to mention this previous game uh, that they had against, you know, App State. Uh, they they were going to win that, and they really have to think about those decisions that occurred in that. You know, um, it just honestly, 
I just think the Bobcat team just really needs it just just to focus right now. You have three wins and no one, you know, Jake Spavadol, he's in the hot seat right now as a coach. You were expected to bring this team a bowl game and that hasn't occurred. Um, so, you know, and my apologies, I said App State earlier. I meant to say the Southern Miss Eagles. They Bobcats did beat the App State, um, Appalachian State. But yeah, no, the Bobcats just really need to focus on getting their receivers into consistency. Ashton Hawkins, he can do great things. And, and your running backs as well. You have Lincoln Perry, but Lincoln Perry, sometimes it seems that he'll go off for 93 yards, but then sometimes he's held to just 42. So I don't know if that is a coaching decision or if that's a play calling decision or if it's just the other team playing better defense. But you just need to make better play calling and, and get the consistency in the running back and offensive game. Yeah, and you know, like you said, they have a pretty good amount of time to think about what they're going to do against um, ULM. You know, they had the bye week. So I think definitely what I hope they did during this time was, you know, really look at the tape and really be like, okay, so in this run, like, you know, Lincoln Perry, when they held him down at like negative six yards against, I think it was Southern Miss, yes. you know, what did, what did he do? What did we do as a team to get him to that number? You know, was it the line folding? Was him not, not looking at the right gaps? You know, was it just timing was off a little bit? You know, really they have, you know, for to have two weeks, you can really nitpick at everything that you've done in this whole season and really see where the errors are, where the inconsistencies are. So hopefully they took that two weeks and really analyzed their whole game up until this point and really can make a really strong game plan against ULM, who, like you said, is on a probably four or five, you know, it's been almost two months on Saturday. It'll be probably two months since their last win. And where can they take advantage of, of them? And also where can they explode in places that they probably haven't before? You know, obviously the the end goal of this season is to get a bowl game. That's been the the goal since day one, and it's still possible to be bowl eligible. You need six wins. We have three. Uh, obviously, you think the Yale Monroe game is a win. You we the Bobcats should win that game, and then they follow up with games against South Alabama, Arkansas State, and Louisiana. You know, I think South Alabama's probably uh, no. I mean, all those teams I feel like are really manageable teams to to beat so i mean do y'all think that the bowl game is even still a possibility you know they need to win three out of the next four well colton you know we thought when we saw this southern miss game the game that was scheduled to be our homecoming game that was scheduled to be a win they beat us with two walk-on quarterbacks that were switching back and forth throughout the game so there's no such thing as a game that we're expected to win the bobcats just need to play their best game now what i will say is this the bye week has given them an opportunity one unique opportunity what we know is that this defensive team has been on the field all game because it seems like the offense when you're held to negative six yards you're holding it's just three and out three and out three and out every single time that means three plays it's a fourth down which we'll is put special teams on and then defense shows up now they've had a week the defense has had a week to prepare their bodies to focus on what they need to do and I think the defense won't be that exhausted if they you know had a bye week but yeah I mean bowl eligibility means you need to have an undefeated you know next three games and I haven't seen the Bobcats go on a three-game win streak I don't think it's since I've came here to this university so it's just going to be tough and jake spavadol is definitely in the hot seat with this this bowl game because you know many fans were angered to see the, the way that the game ended against southern miss eagles that was the last home game we had and as i mentioned there was one minute left in the game lane hatcher throws a beautiful 73 yard pass to ashton hawkins boom we're ahead by two points well guess what the bobcats on defense what happened 
I don't know. Southern Miss Eagles throws a Hail Mary pass all the way down the field, and they win the game with like 30 seconds left. So definitely a hard loss, and Jake Spavadol needs to clean up from that. And and definitely like, this is a great opportunity at home. You're playing against a team that hasn't won since September. So this is a great opportunity for this team to get some momentum into those next few games. So the next game, as I said, will be this Saturday, November 5th at 4 p.m., they will be at the ULM Warhawks, and that game will be on ESPN Plus or on KTSW as the Bobcats try to break their little losing streak that they've got going. But we will zoom out of San Marcos area and take a look at some national news. And what else would we start with than the World Series, which is in full swing right now? It is a one-to-one tie series going into Game 3, which is tonight at 7 o'clock, the pitching matchup will be Lance McCullers Jr. for the Astros and Noah Syndergaard for the Philadelphia Phillies. Guys, it's an even series, whole new series starting today, basically. What's going to happen? You know, this is where the Astros start getting hot. Their bats are starting to get hot. The pitching crew is going to need to come up this game. Like you said, Lance McCullers, he didn't really play most of this season because he was injured, came back, did did phenomenal. And, you know, he's been pretty he's done pretty well in these postseasons, in the past games in the postseason. So hopefully he can come out, you know, and this is also like I'm talking about our uh, Astros pitching crew. You got to look at the Phillies pitching crew. They're starting to get a little tight. I remember one time, uh, I think maybe last week on BCR, you said, uh, you know, after, you know, Wheeler and Nola, they're kind of starting to go down in terms of depth and while the Astros, they keep it going. So it's going to be nice to see how uh, Noah Syndergaard can play in his postseason. Well, here's what I have to say. If you look at that last match, you know, the Astros win 5-2. And and a big reason of this was what happened in that first inning. And I will share a little factoid with you. The Astros are the first team ever in World Series history to start the game off with three extra base hits. And that is what happened. And I'm not talking just three extra base hits. I'm talking three extra base hits within the first three pitches. That is not how you want to start your game off if you're Philly. And and and, and that's really what the Astros are all about, right? They're trying to build that momentum early on, but that's going to be tough to do in Philadelphia. If you don't know anything about Philadelphia, the fans are very passionate in Philadelphia, as all people in the East Coast are very passionate about their sports. So... You know, the Astros are going to go into a new environment. They're used to playing the Yankees. They're used to playing the Dodgers. No, it's the Phillies now. And they have players like Kyle Schwarber who thought he hit a home run (laughs) in Minute Maid Park, but it was uh, determined to be a foul ball. So he hits another one and Tucker gets him out. So, you know, just the Astros really have to clean up on, you know, they just have to play their best pitching. You got Lance McCullers. He's a great pitcher for these Astros. We've seen him do great things before. Um, and, and not to mention just the amazing performance by, uh, wasn't it the pitcher in this last game? Was it Framer Valdez? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Framer Valdez did amazing. I know he had like nine strikeouts in that game. And that's something that I don't know if this is his first World Series or not, I believe. So, I mean, he, these are some great acquisitions on this team. You got Jeremy Pena, who's ALCS player player the you know the conference player of the year and he did great things he hit some and that he was one of the first extra base hits that happened in that first inning so yeah the Astros you know they just really have to ride that momentum it's a tied series and there's some great pitching but you know after as you mentioned you know after Aaron Nola I, I don't know much have you know I don't know what their pitching rotation looks like and if they can even you know really do anything to this amazing batting lineup on the Astros when I looked at game two I think that really was what I thought that the series was going to be like all around. The Astros just kind of looked better. It's it's a better team on paper. In the regular season, they performed better. The Astros just looked like a better team. The Zach Wheeler was supposed to be one of the Phillies' best pitchers. And, you know, I remember I was watching the broadcast, and the first thing that the guy calling the game said was, you know, Altuve has kind of had a slow postseason. 
Zach Wheeler throws a lot of first pitch fastballs, and Jose Altuve probably looking to start the game on the first pitch. First pitch comes in, double right down the line. Just, And I think the tone was set from that moment. Zach Wheeler struggled. He had four and runs. Obviously, they didn't get what they wanted out of their top two guys, and now they get to their bottom of their rotation, and I just don't think it's as reliable. You know, it's a three-game series now in Philadelphia, and the Astros have a chance to go celebrate on somebody else's field. Yeah, I like I like that you mentioned that, that 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 they're two best pitchers. I mean, they have faced some things that we they did not expect. You know, we did have Justin Berlander in the beginning of the season. Uh, he did face some struggles uh, in the postseason. I meant, um, you know, we, we've seen that from him, but he cleaned up in this World Series. Now, what what the Phillies are really going to have to do is just really have to have those people in the bottom of that bullpen step up and that's really tough for them those those guys that are like okay you know oh the, the starters are playing I don't really need to you know I'm not going to stress I'm probably going to come in at the seventh inning no you're starting tomorrow and you're going to have to be a good pitcher in the World Series against some of the best hitters like you know Jordan Alvarez who did amazing in that game Jeremy Pena you got you know Altuve finally doing better in the postseason with his hitting you know there was a streak where he wasn't doing anything now he's doing something so yeah I just think Philly they're going to have to step up and those guys that usually don't have that role are going to have to step up into it and that could be some really fun exciting baseball to watch i love watching the underdog team have to do things differently to beat the powerhouse like the astros so like i said game three will be tonight at seven o'clock in philadelphia so see who takes the 2-1 series lead and before we wrap up i just wanted to get a little halloween ish segment in there so you know go around talking about your halloween costume and what is your ideal candy that you'd be getting from someone's house well, if you know what I look like, I have really long curly blonde hair and I really decided I was going to be Napoleon Dynamite. So I had a vote for Pedro shirt and some jeans and my curly hair and the glasses. And people were saying I look like Dahmer. I was like, no, 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 please no. Um, but my favorite candy. Now, this is controversial, but the best Halloween candy in the United States is candy corn. Um, people are don't look at me weird. Candy corn is great. How about you, Ryan? Oh, well, in terms of costume and, you know, I'm kind of dressing the part a little bit more in flannel, but I wish I had my longer hair, but I was, I would love to try and do like a Eddie Vedder. Anybody know any Pearl Jam fans? You know, I kind of have some of the, the pieces to make myself look like Eddie Vedder. I'll, I'll like paint a goatee on me <laughs> or something, but that'd be my costume. Just trying to look like Eddie Vedder. Dude's a beast. In terms of candy, this was kind of, well, this is something that most people didn't like. I, I'm a, I'm a dots guy. When I go walk around my, with my little, Halloween basket, you know, looking, going door to door. I'm like, do you have dots? Please give me dots. Dots are my Halloween candy. Yeah, you're the only one, too. No, <laughs> <laughs> now, I also dressed up over the weekend, and I went out to Academy, and I got some baseball pants and the high socks, and I went as a Houston Astro. Unfortunately, that was the night of game one, so I didn't get to see you win that night. I even had the trash can out, and I was banging the trash can, so I too bad hit a walk-off home run. And it didn't work this time. That you is, should have been at the game. You, yeah. You're in the wrong spot. The, it doesn't work as, as well as it used to, apparently. But my favorite candy, uh, if I had to choose, I'd probably say Mike and Ike are one of my favorite candies. Ooh, that's a good I one. I also really like Twix, but I like think I like the fruity, the fruity candy more than the chocolate. Uh, but now for the scariest segment of all, which is Justin's weather. Ooh, weather, yeah, no, very scary, but I'm going to try my best to get it accurately right now. Today, you know, it's the high of 81, a low of 59, and that'll be coming this later this evening. And speaking of rain, there's only, a, you know, 
Uh, it's going to be raining later this evening, not during the day. There's no chance. There's a 10% chance, very slight. But um, if you go into the evening hours, starting at around 9 p.m., it's going to pick up to around 40% chance of rain. And that's going to that's exceed around 60% around 1 a.m. But I think most of y'all will be in bed. But speaking for the next few days, oh, I just wanted to tell y'all the Halloween forecast. If anyone's trick-or-treating this evening, you should be fine. You know, rain's not going to be starting until around, you know, Later this evening, as I mentioned, past 10 p.m. So if you don't stay out too late, you should be fine. But for the next few days of the week, what's the rain looking like? Tuesday, tomorrow, you got a high of 77, a low of 60 with a 42% chance of rain. So bring a poncho and bring an umbrella. Wednesday, high of 80 and low of 66. Thursday, you got a 41% chance of rain and a high of 83 and a low of 69. And then Friday, you have to bring a jacket. 65% chance of thunderstorms and bring some rain boots maybe because, you know, it does flood a little bit on campus. But, yes, that was your spooky weather forecast from Justin. Well, that is all of our time to, for today. So make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For Justin Brown and Ryan Liguez, I'm Colson Gibson. Thank you for listening into this Halloween edition on this Monday for Bobcat Radio. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope you tune back in at the same time on Wednesday. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.